Welcome to Indie Beauty Radio with your host, Rachel Whitaker, founder of the Indie Beauty Delivers community. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of Indie Beauty TV. God, I think this is like episode 18 so far this year, so it's totally blowing my mind. Um, we're not live today. Technical issues at my end. I was defeated by something, but it doesn't matter because we can still bring you the same content and loads of you piled questions into us. So my name's Rachel Whitaker, and I'm the founder of Indie Beauty Delivers Community, which is kind of a place where all you beautypreneurs can hang out and network and share ideas um, and learn. And you can find that community um, here on Facebook. You can find it on Instagram, which is at Indie Beauty Delivers. Very soon, I'll be on YouTube. Um, and also, if you really enjoy what we do here at Indie Beauty Delivers, then you would really need to get onto my mailing list. It's my private little email group. I send a blog out every Monday to that group. And it's stuff that I don't actually put out anywhere else. So if you want to make the most of all the advice and uh, tips that I give away, get yourself on that email list. You can do that just by popping over to my website and clicking the sign up for my blogs button. Oh, now I can breathe. So welcome to this week's episode. You cannot believe how many times people ask me about SEO and I know virtually nothing about it. So this is not my specialist subject, but so many of you ask me so regularly that I thought it was high time that I brought on a very special guest who can help us out with it. So I want to welcome Amy to Indie Beauty TV. Um, I'm not going to tell you anything about Amy. I'm going to hand over to Amy now and say, Amy, introduce yourself and tell us why you're here and what your expertise are. Oh, hi. Uh, so I'm Amy Cox-Tennant and I run a little marketing agency in Bristol called Studio Cotton. And we work exclusively with creative indie brands, uh, generally with a feminine focus as well. So jewelers, florists, yoga teachers, uh, kids wear brands, and just anything that I very selfishly find interesting myself because it's my business and I want to be happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we do branding, websites and marketing campaigns for lovely businesses. And then we also run a lot of workshops in person here in our little workshop in Bristol, in, in here. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So I came across you because I was looking for an SEO expert to, to help us out and you were recommended to us by... Gemma Harling. Um, and um, most of you who are watching this video will know who Gemma is um, because she's featured in my videos and in my episodes, but also uh, because she does all of her own stuff. So you did Gemma's website, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Gemma is a wonderful human being. Um, so I'm so pleased that she thought of me. Um, but yeah, Gemma's amazing. And her website was like a dream project because Gemma was really nice and organized. And that just makes my life really easy. <laughs> I love it. Yes, that's, that's the thing with when you're doing websites and things, isn't it? Oh, that's brilliant. Cool. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for sparing the time to come and talk to us as well. Um, I think that um, SEO comes up a lot in the conversations that I have with brands because many of the brands, and I know this rings true, very true with you, many of the brands that I work with are independent brands, are creative brands. They don't necessarily have a huge amounts of money. They don't have big teams that are supporting them. And especially in their early stages, they're trying to build their brand themselves. So a lot of the stuff that they're doing, um, they are learning new skills and they're trying to do it themselves just to get up and running and minimize their overhead. And I think we always know, because we hear it all the time, that SEO is supposed to be really important. And that we should really be concentrating on it when it comes to our website. But can, can you tell us a little bit more about what SEO actually is? So I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, SEO is search engine optimization. And when pretty much anyone talks about SEO, they just generally talk about how to get traffic from Google searches to your website. There are lots of other search engines, but everyone just talks about Google. Um, I'm going to mention a few more at the end of this if we've got time as well. Um, but SEO as an industry exists because five years or more ago, uh, people realized that traffic from organic search, so traffic from Google that ends up at the website, is some of the highest converting traffic you can get. And everyone wants more of it. I want more of it on my own website. Uh, it's great traffic to have. Um, and so a lot of companies, a lot of marketing agencies put together SEO departments to essentially 
trick Google into listing websites for things they probably didn't deserve to list for. So a lot of the time when I hear SEO as someone who works in marketing, especially small businesses, it kind of makes me cringe because there is so, so much bad advice out there. There's a lot of people still selling SEO when it's, it's kind of not a thing. I think um, it's going to make more sense as we talk more, but SEO is, it's kind of an outdated approach, but we're going to talk today about nice, exciting ways to actually work with Google to make sure that you do get more of that genuine traffic to your website. Um, but generally, nowadays, SEO is just a list of actions you do that help Google to read your website better and serve it up to users. Oh, okay, so, so in some respects, we have the kind of thing that happens on social media where people try and trick the algorithms by buying <laughs> followers. And, and that's oh, yes. Sort of thing. And what you're saying is there's been, a, there's been a little bit of that happening as far as SEO is concerned. There have been ways of people selling services which help you to get better rankings when perhaps it, it's on things that actually won't get you any business anyway really yeah exactly i mean for years these i think they're called old hat tactics they worked really well i think one of the best examples if you want to see it done old school is really tradespeople. so if you look at building firms and plumbers you might notice their website is full of if it's bristol it'll be plumber and bedminster plumber and southville plumber and bristol plumber and west bristol and they'll just list all of these things chucked in a footer. And that's, that's called keyword loading. And that's actually something that Google can pick up on. And it knows that you're trying to play the algorithm. It doesn't work. It works for a short amount of time, but it's one of those things where you're kind of trying to trick the search engine. So the search engine finds it, realizes it's a trick, and then bans it and ends up penalizing you for these kind of mistakes. Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> so we also have to be aware of just sifting through the bad advice and the good advice that's out there. If we want yeah. to try our SEO. Yeah, I think the first thing I've written down on my notes to talk about today is to basically stop Googling SEO. Um, there's so much out-of-date advice available. Also, the advice that you kind of find out there are from people trying to sell you an SEO quick win solution. Um, modern SEO, and I still say SEO even though it's kind of more intelligent than just trying to win over Google, um, but a lot of the actions you have to do, you can do yourself, and a lot of the things that people are trying to sell you to solve it, they're not actually going to solve the problem right okay well that's reassuring because that means that we can be doing something uh yes well we can be diying a little bit on on our on our um, on our seo so that's really good so why is it important why why is the quest for this kind of like good rankings on google what what are the benefits of really nailing down our seo i mean uh, apart from just the fact that you're getting the higher conversion traffic, so the better traffic, it's great for things like if you're doing any sort of PR activity at all, if you're in the printed press or even digital press, you want people to see you in a magazine and Google you and find you immediately. Mm. They want, you want your users to be able to remember a social media post they saw two, three weeks ago and think, what was that name? And be able to Google and find your name as well. It's not just about someone searching in Google for uh, face cream organic L magazine uh, you want to be able to actually find your name too um, another thing that reason why SEO is important is <laughs> sorry I'm looking at my notes it's not very clear um, sorry it's a it just makes you seem more professional as well so if you are looking at wholesale options or if you are looking to grow your business you want to look to these buyers and to partners and investors that you're doing the right thing they don't want to come across a website that looks like a DIY website essentially even if it is a DIY website yeah no that makes that makes absolute sense and so the point of SEO is that you want to the kind of holy grail is to kind of appear on the first page isn't it is that is that the kind of this is this, I'm probably a bit old school and I'm still like panicking about SEO but <laughs> the idea is is that when people search they they find you on that first page <laughs> um it's a bit of that i mean for things like your brand name for your brand name you want to be first on the first page yeah. i mean they'll always if you're doing well there'll be someone putting ad money behind your brand name which is very flattering um but yeah you want to rank for your own first name and as a small business that is not surprisingly hard but probably trickier than a lot of people imagine to actually rank for your own name um it just means that you have to sort of do a few specific things so it's not the end of the world but when I talk about SEO, the first thing I tell everyone to do, as well as stop Googling SEO, is to kind of remove the search engine from the equation 
and think about instead what the search engine is trying to achieve. So all Google wants to do is find uh, answers to questions and to find solutions to problems. So what you should first think about are, okay, what are my customers' questions? What are my customers' problems? Mm -hmm. How can I make sure that that's covered on my website? And how can I do it in a way that Google can understand? Um, so it, is, it sounds really, really simple and also complicated because then you have to think, okay, how do I make Google understand? Mm -hmm. But everything I do around search engine optimization goes back to that. Does my website answer questions and does it have the solutions to problems? That's super exciting. That's super, that, that, that actually makes me feel so much better because one of the things that uh, we talk about all the time in just general content marketing or social media marketing is that you're, you, it's all about putting out amazing content that answers your ideal customer's problems and gives them solutions and makes their life easier. So we're doing that, we're creating that content and we've got that mindset in the social media world. And actually it's the same mindset in SEO. It's the same with, we, we, we're just doing Oh yeah, definitely. Platform. Ah, <laughs> that's great. That's <laughs> I, mean, where I think, wow, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. That's why it kind of ties up with the, the biggest mistake. Oh, sorry. Now I was gonna say the biggest mistake I ever see on DIY websites is actually uh, having websites that don't have any text on them. So it's like having an Instagram feed with just photos and no captions. Mm. That wouldn't work. That wouldn't get you found by anyone. It's the same if you have a website homepage. That's just lovely pictures. It might look lovely, but if you want search engines to find you, and you do, that's yeah. like a given. You need to have search engines finding your site. You need to have text on there. You need to say what your brand is, what your products are. You need to if it's, you know, you're the founder of your business and you want to be camera facing, you need to have a little snippet of your bio on there. Yeah. Right. Actually, well, that's really good because it kind of segues nicely. Uh, I've got a question all about, can we, have, can we do our own DIY SEO? And you've already told me that that is perfectly possible. So I'm segueing <laughs> straight on to the next question to say, when we are considering setting up our own website or improving our SEO rank, sort of uh, ranking on our website, what are the key things, Amy, that we should be looking at? So the first thing is to make sure you actually have enough text on your website that, again, has the solutions, that has the answers, and really describes what you do. The second thing to make sure is that that text contains lovely, sexy keywords. Um, and I think there's some keywords that you've mentioned in a few of your other group comments as well. Keywords are not a magic mystery. Um, you can put a lot of effort into doing some keyword research, but we're all small businesses. We probably are only ourselves or one or two others. So we need to buff that stuff out really quickly. So when it comes to determining your keywords, I always start with five different categories. The first are your brand keywords. Uh, for me, that's Studio Cotton. And I also use Amy Cox Tennant, which is my name, because I want someone to search for my name and find me and not on MySpace page from 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and then the second one are your location. So even if your goal is world domination, it's so much easier to start with your own city and work outwards. So don't try and hide the fact that you're based in London or Nottingham or Bristol. That, I'm not saying it should be everywhere, but that should be key to your about page. It should be key to your contact page. That stuff's really interesting. And there are things like London has a great name. So if you are based in London, write that on everything. Mm. Um, and location doesn't have to be as simple as your city. It can be as big as UK, made in England, made in Portugal, made in the EU. It can be as small as the fact that we're on Corn Street in Bristol, which is a really fancy street for our city. So I like to mention Corn Street as often as I can. The third category is your product or services. So you want to write down a list of everything you sell. So if it's, you know, uh, face creams, makeup, if it's, I'm going to be terrible here, but vegan soap, you should have a list of all of your big products. So that one's really easy for me. For me, that's branding, websites, and marketing. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth category are your adjectives that differentiate you from your competition. So if you do vegan soap, then vegan would go into that list. If it's organic, sustainable, um, if it's Scandi style, all of those are your, uh, your specific adjectives. And then when it comes to keywords and long form keywords, they're actually just combinations of those other four categories. So if you wanted to find a small business marketing agency in Bristol, that's where I would come in and I would just put that combination of words into everything I can on my website, as long as it still makes sense. There's no point in doing all of this unless it sounds like a real human is writing it. 
Um, and as well, like when you're using these keywords, it will sound bizarre when you first start typing it and you want to write the word bestsellers, that, that's a lot easier than writing loved by customers of Gemma Harling. Sorry, Gemma, I'm just staring at your name, so I'm uh, using it again. Um, and yeah, and then there's the fifth category, which is campaign. So these are words that are specific to a timely need. So your other four categories hardly ever change. I mean, your brand name doesn't change, your location probably doesn't change. Your products might get bigger and your adjectives might change slightly, but your campaign words can be really simple. So the most obvious one is Christmas. You will want to rank for Christmas gifts, Christmas beauty, Christmas trend ideas. Those are the, well, your campaign keywords don't have to be much longer than that, but it can also be like festival specific. So if you're a glitter or festival brands, you probably want to rank before Glastonbury, before Reading and Leeds and the other ones that I'm not cool enough to go to. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. You just write those down. You probably want to have 20 to 30 words total on that entire list. Everyone's are distributed differently. So don't worry if you've got one column that's got 20 words in and 10 among the others. That's fine. All you want to do is get that list and then use them everywhere. That just sounds so simple when you say it like that. It kind of completely demystifies the, 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 the kind of the, yeah, the SEO thing. And that kind of the keyword thing has always made me feel like it's, it, it, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. But that makes yeah. sense. And I like the way you separated that into those, into the five groups. Um, because that really enables you to just channel and come up with the words that you need. And I know what you mean about trying to get words into text at times. Um, but actually, once you get into the, into the, into the way of thinking and writing, you, you, you can do it. And it, and it isn't obtrusive. And it, and it works really, really well. Um, and so what we're saying is those keywords that you've come up with to do with your brand are likely to be the keywords that people are putting in. Exactly. Yeah, they'll be the words that make up their questions and that make up their problems. So it's really like you just need to have those words on your website. And that's how Google can then read your website and say, hey, this is a really great site that has all of the answers. And you've just made Google's life really easy. And Google's a lazy robot. It just wants to get from the user to your website as quickly as it can. Yeah, well, I'm having moments of, I don't know about all the guys who are going to watch this, but I'm having moments of, oh my goodness, this is so interesting and so useful. And I'm like, I need to go back and look at my own website and, uh, and go through that. Oh, that is, that is really, really good. And, and so you're building keywords into every page of your website. Every page, uh, every time you name an image before you upload an image to your website, try and pop some keywords in. Headings are really important, subheadings, everything in your footer. I would, it's like a little task. I would maybe set aside just 15 minutes once a week to look at one page on your website and just reread it and see if you can just pop in a couple more keywords. I think contact pages and about pages are the biggest opportunity because if you actually read one through, I think, well, for example, contact pages are one of the biggest opportunities I'd say for SEO because most people's contact pages just say, get in touch, followed by an email address. Whereas I can't remember what our says, but it's something like if you'd like to talk about your upcoming branding website or marketing project with a small business loving Bristolian, then get in touch and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. And that's already three times as long, giving Google three times as much evidence to rank me higher than my competition. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. I love it. Yes, because most of us just have a contact page. It just says, yeah. yeah. This is where well, we're contact me. We don't think about putting the fact that we could easily have a sentence or a short paragraph in there. Which is full of all those yeah. keywords. Oh, we've all I mean, it's one thing we're all going to go and look at our contact page after this. <laughs> so that's I mean, it's better for Google and it's better for your users as well because it just automatically gives you an extra injection of personality too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's so. That's really really interesting. And so, um, just while I'm thinking about it, and it's popped into my head. Um, there, I, I think we understand that we, we all, or am I right in saying that video is quite good for uh, SEO rankings. So this is something slightly different in the fact that Google is really biased towards Google's own media. So, so Google loves YouTube. Google loves, um, oh, well, I was gonna say Google plus, but that's dead. But, um, yeah. yeah, Google loves anything that Google owns. So that's why if you've got a video on YouTube, that's 
again, chock full of keywords, you've named your videos nicely, you've filled out your description perfectly, Google is gonna rank that higher than probably your own website. So it is really good for getting your attention, but only if the video you've created is actually useful as well. There's no point in creating short snippet videos loaded with keywords because again, Google knows that you're a tricky trickster and it will penalize you. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. So, so for those of you who don't know, Google owns YouTube, um, which, which, you just, which you just alluded to. So if you've got, if you create, we, last week actually, Amy, we interviewed um, uh, Justina on Indie Beauty TV, who was a video marketing expert and she was talking about different areas of your business that you can use uh, video in. And one of them was, say, the About page. Uh, oh, definitely. And a sort of a, a founder about video kind of thing that talks about uh, where you are, what you do. It's quite a lovely way of, of sort of bringing video into that. And if you then also then, if you hosted it on, on YouTube and brought it in onto your website uh, and, and gave it good keywords in its title, then it, it serves a really good purpose. Well, the other thing is even not even better than that is transcription. So anytime you have a video that is a little bit wordy is to put the effort in to either transcribe it yourself, which is really boring. But that's the kind of task when we talk about outsourcing the uh, outsourcing SEO. That's the kind of task that you can outsource to someone and get your about page video transcribed and then just include the, uh, the script underneath it. It's not only helpful because it's full of lovely, sexy keywords, but it's also great for anybody who can't be bothered to watch a video and still wants to get the full effect. Oh, another, another hugely uh, interesting tip there. Uh, so we're talking about sort of a DIY SOSing, <laughs> wrong program, DIY SEOing your website, so your, your pages yep. on your website. Um, now, a lot of us also have a blog page on our website. Um, and so we're loading in blogs on a regular basis. And how does our SEO differ on those blog posts? Or is it the same sort of thing that we're looking for? It's the same sort of principle. One thing that's the reason I tell my clients to blog, if they're in any way inclined to blog, is because Google loves a timestamp as well. Because generally something that is more recent is more important to someone searching. Because if, so, if I'm searching today actually for SEO tips, an article written on the 15th of May 2019 is going to be a lot better than one written on the 15th of May 2012. Mm -hmm. um, so Google is already biased towards anything with a timestamp. But it's same, the same principle applies. Make sure you get loads of keywords in, use headings and subheadings. When you use images, have captions, have alt text, mm -hmm. which is a type of metadata. I won't go too much into that because metadata is really boring to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, but that, there's loads of stuff about metadata on our blog as well. Um, but yeah, you just need to fill it up with keywords and just make sure that you're using the same words consistently throughout your site. And again, it will feel really weird the first couple of times you blog with your keywords in mind. But after a while, it becomes second nature and you just sort of find yourself writing an article and thinking, oh, I'm so good at SEO right now. <laughs> this has been me this year. I tasked myself this year with um, trying to, every single blog, I publish a blog on my website every week. Um, and I tasked myself with a challenge that every single one of them would go out with a green light, uh, a green effort. Oh, yes. Um, and it's got, the first few times I did it, it was so difficult. And, and it is, like you said, it's a bit like, whoa, this just feels a bit odd what I'm writing. Yeah. Um, but now I nail it. I can kind of do, put the blog on and I press the save button, up it pops green. I'm like, <laughs> then it's all in yeah. one um but so i use i mean and you might be able to advise on this a lot of our guys are on wordpress and, uh, and things like that or shopify and they're, they're sort of doing that um and i think you can get sort of little plugins that work with these websites that kind of actually guide you through the seo process yeah so um the most common one is a plugin called yoast like toast, but with a Y. Um, and that's the one that you should have on any WordPress site. And it will literally just read whatever page or post or product description you're writing and say, you need more words, or you haven't mentioned the product name in your product description. And it'll just get you, give you loads of tips. Those plugins won't, you won't be able to install a plugin on your site like Yoast and immediately see an SEO benefit. It's more about teaching you how to, for example, better use your keywords to write in a way that Google finds more helpful. Mm. Um, there are other uh, SEO actions that you can take for WordPress-based websites that are different to Shopify, Squarespace, and Wix. 
And that's one of the things because WordPress is kind of like an owned platform and the other ones are rented where Squarespace does the Squarespace updates and Shopify updates the Shopify platform, where WordPress, you're looking after your own updates. So there are some extra SEO actions you can do on WordPress, which make it even better. Um, most of them are around making your site faster and more secure. That's also incredibly technical and the boring side of WordPress. Um, but actually that's something I think that I should probably write a blog post on that and put some of our favorite plugins on our website. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing in terms of those plugins will automatically make your site better at SEO or make you rank higher on Google. It will just help you to help yourself rank better on Google. Yeah, and I use, I've got the Yoast plugin on my WordPress site. And if it wasn't for that, I, I would struggle with SEO. It, it, it's, it's very good, guys. So, you know, go, go and give it a go because it will, it traffic lights you, doesn't it? And it, mm -hmm. it, 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 it's red if it's not very good. It, it's orange if it's sort of almost SEO perfect. And then you get a green light when you're, when you've got the majority of it right. But but it but it also tells you why you've got a red light or an orange light or a green yeah. so that you can keep going back to those particular sections of your blog or your or your website and just fine tuning them until you get a green light on them. So yeah, I think they are really good. I would say to take your results with a pinch of salt. So for example, if you're on WordPress and you use a site with a page builder, which I do for myself and all of my clients, is that uh, Yoast won't be able to tell the difference between the words on your site and the code that makes the page formatting work. So it might say that you've got too much gibberish on a page, but that gibberish is powering the page. So that's kind of fine. You can give yourself your own green light for that. There's also a couple of uh, external sites you can use that can do SEO reviews of any website. So it's great for looking up your competitors. Mm -hmm. I use one called SE Optima. It's totally free. You just copy and paste the URL and hit go and it'll do a free SEO report. It's not particularly in-depth um, and it'll give you like letter grade scores. And again, what I would say is it's really helpful for just sort of giving you like, oh gosh, I haven't done this, I haven't done that, and like a prompt to fill it out. But to also not just take their scores for granted, if it passes you for page titles, for example, make sure you actually look at how it's, you know, giving you the green tick and read that page title because a lot of time it'll pass you just for having the right number of words and not knowing that those words are actually about what your website sells. Mm -hmm. um, but it's great and it's free, so you should definitely use it. <laughs> I love we we love a free. That's what we like. We do like and and, and I don't know the, the version of Yoast I, I use as a plugin is also free, I think. Yeah, I've never used the premium version of Yoast. The free one is the free one's great. Yeah, I th I, I think I think that I think that's enough. So also when you load blogs into your website, certainly on WordPress, mm -hmm. the little box on the right hand side which asks you to put do they call them tags, Amy? Yes. So tags are from between a tag and a keyword. <laughs> Tags are from the past. Um, I, I tell my clients to ignore them because they don't really do anything anymore. Um, one exception is in WordPress, the tags, especially on products, might help that product link to other products. If you have things like a widget on your site that automatically pulls in similar products, it'll be using the tags to, to make those um, decisions. Mm. But apart from that, tags are an old school SEO before Google could read your full page. You used to be able to give it tags to tell Google what your website was about. Now Google can read all of your content. So they're not, they're not that important. Oh, um, that's music to my ears. That means I don't have to fill that bit out anymore. It does my <laughs> I don't think I've ever filled them out. I would say that one exception, and again, talking about other search engines that aren't Google, if it's anyone is an Etsy seller, Etsy tags are really important. So that's a, a strange comparison for Etsy is that Etsy is basically what Google was 10 years ago in terms of the intelligence of its search engine. So a lot of these tactics that I'm saying don't do, don't work, actually work on Etsy, which mm. is probably not a good thing, but um, it means that you can, I guess, cheat their algorithm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's what, so, that, so yeah, so that's really, really interesting then. So, so those are sort of the old kind of way. So, what we've got now is, is, is that Google grows with intelligence all the time. Yep. So now it actually is sort of able to read your blogs the same way that algorithms on social media platforms yep. grow with intelligence all the time. So what they're reading is your entire content rather than just looking at the keywords that you've selected as being. So yeah. That's, yeah. Wow. It's okay. not even. It's not even just your content. It's the number of users, how the users use your site, how long they stay on your site. Um, it can read things that are sort of the metadata that I've mentioned that is really boring, but 
the metadata kind of relates to all of the content that makes up your site that isn't straight away like uh, viewable by the users. Mm. Google looks at all of that. That's one of the reasons why site speed is really important. So Google hates a slow website because humans hate slow websites. And the easiest way to destroy your SEO is to have a slow website. And the easiest way to have a slow website is to have lots of massive pictures on your site. And anyone I've ever met who says I'm not ranking for my own name or I don't rank for anything, I will open up their homepage, have a look at their images, and it'll be like, you have 10 megabytes of images on your homepage. Of course, you're not going to rank. Do you know how long that would take to load if I lived in the countryside? Mm. Um, and managing your images is, again, something that you can't compromise on. Uh, loads of my clients are like, oh, I just can't be bothered. It takes ages to rename my images and to compress them. It doesn't actually take too long, but you can't, it's a task that you can't really get around. Mm. Um, but again, if you're talking about outsourcing DIY, you could technically outsource that job of cropping and compressing all of your images. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Oh, that's really interesting. I just thought of something else that I was going to ask you, uh, and it disappeared from my head for a minute. So hopefully it will come back to me, because as I'm talking to you, I've written down all these questions, and then as I'm talking to you, <laughs> you go, oh, oh, what about that? What about that? How does that work? Um, so hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll come back to those. Um, what else? What else have you got that you wanted to say to us in this section, Amy? Have we covered what you wanted because you're the expert here. I'm just sitting <laughs> around with my mate, with my like, oh, what happened? <laughs> well, I did write a bit more down about outsourcing SEO. So I know I've kind of um, slammed the SEO industry a bit, but there are lots of tasks we can outsource. So as much as I say, don't work with an old an old hat SEO agency. So there are plenty of legitimate places. So all I'd say is if you do want to engage SEO services is to actually make sure that you know what tasks they're looking to complete. So you want to make sure they're doing things like completing your metadata. They are they might be writing blog and content. There's a, a heck of a lot of overlap between modern SEO and PR. So uh, working with bloggers, working with news outlets to get them writing about you. Um, and that's how you get backlinks to your site, which I think somebody else mentioned in your comments. That was what I was thinking about. Oh, awesome. Thank you. That's okay. So there's, uh, again, backlinks are a really good indicator that your website is good and you have good content because other people are writing about you. Uh, again, old school SEO, you could buy backlinks where there would be just, you know, a pack of 500 websites that were completely meaningless but you pay someone X amount of money and they chuck a link to your site on all of those sites. Now, again, Google penalizes you for that, so don't do it. Whereas if you actually have great relationships with bloggers who blog about your industry and are really interested in you and write good articles, a link from their website to yours is really, really good. Um, same thing if anyone ever offers to interview you or wants you on their Facebook Live. Uh, say yes, it's great for your SEO. As long as they mention your name and you have a link to your website, that's amazing. Um, as well as having backlinks, you can have outbound links. So these are links from your website to other people's websites. Mm. So these will mainly be in your blog posts. They mm. are so good to have. Um, a lot of my clients say to me, like, I don't want to link from my blog post to someone else because then they'll leave my site and they won't buy my products. That's, that's not how human psychology works. Um, the benefit of your having that outbound link is way higher than the risk of that person leaving your site to go buy something from a competitor and not from you. If you want to write a blog post, you want it to be useful and interesting, and if it's useful and interesting to leave your site to go to another link, that's, that's good. That's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can always make sure that they, uh, when, when you do put links to external sites, there is an option to make sure that that link opens in another window so that your blog yeah. remains open and the new window opens next to it, so they've still got both open. They're still looking at you, even though you've, you've signposted them somewhere else. So that works. Oh, yeah, this is what I was thinking about, the links thing. So the yep. backlinks, I'm going to go back to the backlinks because this is where I get the linking out, but it's the, it's the linking in. So when you say backlinks, so I'm going to give you an example. So recently I wrote an article for uh, the Red Tree Consultancy. So it sits on their website and they've also put social media out um, with a link to their website. Ah, so the link went to their website with my article on. And they, uh, but they didn't link, but my website would have been in my own article. Oh, yeah, you see, this is where I get a bit. This is, this is a bit complicated. So I think you've got a crossover here between backlinks and guest blogging. Um, so guest blogging is essentially where you write an article on someone else's website. Uh, that can be really good. Um, make sure that it's attributed to you. So if it's a WordPress website, 
uh, make sure that the author is you and using the same email address that you've used to write articles elsewhere. Yeah. The other thing with sharing, uh, like guest blogging is you should, if you're going to share a blog post like for like on two different websites, that can be really bad for Google because it says that you're copying content is duplicate content. Whereas Google does know actually that there are some legitimate reasons why you'd have the same content on two sites. Um, and in that case, you want to add something called a canonical link. And canonical link is one of my favorite words to say because it's ridiculous. But a canonical link just says that this is the original copy of the article. I am a duplicate, but I'm a legit one. So it means that you can both rank. So the original will rank first and you'll rank second as opposed to one of you ranking top and the other one not ranking at all. Yeah. Most yeah. of these platforms will have a, a field that say canonical link or original link. Mm -hmm. If you're on WordPress, that's something that Yoast does is control the canonical link. So just look for that setting and pop in the original one. Ah. Uh, in terms of backlinks, though, these can be any, any hyperlink on any site to your website. Right. So this doesn't necessarily have to be any content I've created. This could just be somebody or any content that any of our brands have created. It just yep. could be a blogger saying, I've used this product and it's absolutely awesome. This is their website. Oh yeah, that's, that's the best stuff. Um, and as well, like the more they can link to specific pages on your website. I mean, there's some like iffy evidence whether or not this is better, but generally if someone's linking directly to your product as opposed to your homepage, that's a stronger indication that this is a legit high quality link because they're linking directly to a high quality piece of content. Ah. Right, so that's really key information then. So whenever our brands, uh, the beauty brands that, that we work with here in this community and you work with, whenever they are talking to um, bloggers or influencers or anybody like that who might be uh, talking about them, part of the discussion about the work is that the link, if you could make the link go to the product page or if you can always link. It yeah. And a lot of the relationships with bloggers and influencers can be quite formal with contracts and things. So you could make that part of it to, to enable oh, definitely. that backlink to be, to be much more beneficial to you. So you can do things as well, like say that you want a link to your homepage as well as a link directly to the product. And depending on what kind of mood you're in, you can also add tracking to that so that you can see what traffic is coming from which blog post to which product. Um, but it's all part of when you send a product out and this is kind of an area that I don't like to get into too much with the bloggers and the influencers, but send them out with a, uh, like a callback sheet or a press sheet that says, this is a link to the product. This is a link to my website and just make their life super easy. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing with working with influencers, do whatever you can to push for blog content, for permanent website content over social media content. Social media posts aren't indexed. Blogs are, which means that a social media post won't really have any impact Apart from a YouTube video, which does have like a link that lasts forever, an Instagram post doesn't count for anything like days or weeks after it's been posted. So yeah. just try and push for that blog content. And if you've been approached by three bloggers, all equally good, but one of them will write a blog and the other two will just post on Instagram, go for the blogger. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's really, really interesting. Oh, that's really interesting. And the other thing that I thought of as we were just talking as well um, is does the publication of fresh new content regularly so for example if you do regularly blog and so it's fresh content with the timestamp um that's that's a positive thing when it comes to sort of your seo definitely again google loves timely content and it's the more you can make that content with a timestamp about something timely as well so your top five festival looks top 10 winter skincare regimes, all of those things that just tie in an actual date with a season. That's the stuff that Google loves. And if you embed a video into it, that makes it even better. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. But you know, what, what's like, what I found really fascinating about this is as we've talked, it's just actually the, the, the way to DIY your own SEO is, is actually really similar to the, to the way that you create content generally and put it out there you know, to, to the world, whether that's on Pinterest or YouTube or, or on Instagram, it's the same thought process. Um, you're delivering the same content. Uh, you have hashtags elsewhere, but these are keywords, but they're very similar. There's yeah. a, there's a, so, oh, so massively. Yeah, it's not something that's completely foreign to us. It's actually that it's disguised under this quite scary phrase of SEO, but actually it's really workable and really accessible. Yeah, I would say that if 
like the two biggest takeaways from this should always be add more text that's filled with lovely keywords, but mostly add more text and stop having these beautiful but useless gallery style websites. And the other one is to manage your images because that one is so boring, but you, again, you cannot go away. You can have a hundred great backlinks, but if you have a 10 megabyte homepage, you are screwed. So um, yeah, those two things, and then work on your backlinks and get more sophisticated. But then if you are, again, looking to outsource any of your SEO, look at those specific tasks. So look at people who will be completing metadata, writing transcripts for all of your videos, writing your product descriptions. That's the kind of task that should be outsourced. And a lot of those you can work directly with a video editor, or you can work with a copywriter to get those, those sorts of things done. Mm. Oh man, cool, cool, cool. Let's whiz through uh, a few of the questions that came in. We may have answered some of these. Okay. Um, so um, Gemma came in. Uh, Gemma Harling, she's starring in this episode. Uh. <laughs> these, are these backlinks? Are we giving? No, not just not by naming her. She's not getting all these backlinks. <laughs> well, if if she did a transcript, it'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> She'd do really well out of it. So Gemma came up with the questions. Um, how do you pick your keywords and how do you do your keyword research? So we discussed a little bit about the fact that you're breaking them down into those five categories, which would be mm -hmm. how you could pick them. Are there any places you can go to help you with keyword research? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of free tools online that will do that for you. You can also look at uh, Google search data and sort of find out what people are searching for. What I would say is that if you haven't nailed those other categories first, that's kind of like running before you can walk. So I would try and keep it really, really simple first and just nail those 20 to 30 words and get those in place. And then you can get a bit more sophisticated and using tools. And again, if you just Google keyword finder tool, it normally is the case where you can pop in one word and it will generate five more. Mm. Another thing you can do is to look at your competitors, especially their product descriptions and about pages and kind of pick out what words they're using. And just bear in mind that they're probably writing in this weird SEO way as well, where they're trying to get their keywords in as much as possible. So you're probably able to pick up like words that you found have been repeated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good advice. She also says, what are short and long keywords? And again, we just touched on that uh, yeah. slightly, but just define those really clearly for us. Well, it's generally just a short one is a one word or a two word answer and a long one will be a chain. So a chain of words together that almost for, uh, forms a search term or the answer to a search term. Great. OK, so um, you could have um, uh, you could have a short term one that might be organic, but then uh, yeah. uh, but then you could have a long keyword that might be um, best organic moisturizer. Or yeah, like or yeah, organic moisturizer made in London, that kind of thing, where it's like a whole a whole phrase yeah. almost. Perfect. I think we've nailed that one down. So thank <laughs> you, Gemma. Helen Kimpton. Um, she just came on and said, going beyond websites and blogs, how do you optimize for Instagram, Facebook, or other uh, social platforms? And does sort of Google recognize or index any of those social media posts or tweets or anything like that? So the short answer is not really. So um, there are things you could do. So Google can see the fact that you've got an Instagram account with lots of followers. It probably doesn't care that much, but you can you know, tell Google that these are my social media platforms for my website. But none of your posts, like, again, your posts that you wrote two weeks ago on Facebook won't be helping your SEO today. But things you can do is to try and push traffic from your social media to your website. And that's a good indicator because it means that you've got users coming and going. And that's a really good indicator. Again, like, if people are using your website, that's generally an indicator that it's a, it's a good website. So just try and do that thing where you end every single Facebook post with a link to your website or to a website. And on Instagram, make sure you use your link in bio really effectively. Mm -hmm. So uh, make sure that you're not just linking through to your homepage. It's not that hard to actually design a full homepage that is for your link, for your Instagram uh, link page. Mm -hmm. so it's a bit of a mouthful. Um, I would say actually ours is a really nice one to look at. So if you go to studio.cotton on Instagram and click the link in our bio, that's a homepage that I've made only for Instagram. So the only way you can access it is from that one link. And it has our upcoming workshops, it has our Facebook group, it has our mailing list, which everyone should sign up for. Um, but yeah, just to make sure that you use that really well so you get the traffic from Instagram to your website as quickly as possible. And on that one, 
uh, Linktree, which a lot of people use to get your one Instagram link into 10 Instagram links, don't use it. Um, all oh, you're doing then. Right, <laughs> okay, let's go deep on this one. Oh, actually, weirdly, I've got a blog post on our site about why you shouldn't use Linktree, and it's my highest ranking article. Not to the link would be recognized to Linktree, not to your exactly. Linktree. You're helping Linktree's SEO, you're not helping your own. All you're doing is saying that Linktree is sending me traffic, but Instagram is sending Linktree traffic, and Instagram to Linktree, like they're getting the good stuff out of it, you're getting their leftovers. That's just brilliant. So what you do is what you've done is you create your own kind of Instagram homepage. On yeah. the, it's on your website. You can make it invisible if people just click onto your normal website, if you like, can't you? And on yeah. there, you could have things like join my mailing list, go and follow me on Facebook or go to my product. So you can create what you have on Linktree, but just on a hidden homepage and use that link. That's, exactly. Yeah. This is why we get experts on Gemma. Uh, Gemma. I'm calling you Gemma now, Amy, because um, that's brilliant. That's such a good idea. That's such a good idea. Oh, very exciting. So, Helen, I hope that's helped you. Um, Corinne was really excited about us doing this. Corinne Thomas, founder of Rare Beauty. Um, and uh, she asked us to explain backlinks and how important they are for rankings and what are the best ones to have. So, I think we did that. I think I we did that. I would say some of the worst ones to have. I think that might be helpful. Uh, you've probably seen these online directories. Uh, it's kind of like a fake yellow pages where you can submit your link and it'll put it in lots of online directories. Google has said that it will be penalizing people for that. So do not do that. Don't put your website link into these online directories that don't mean anything. At the same time, backlinks that are surprisingly good are local newspapers. Um, because Google loves local, Google loves timestamps. So the more you can do in your local papers are probably a lot harder for people in London than it is for us out in the sticks. Mm. Um, but yeah, trying to get into your local papers, get good relationships with your whoever's in charge of your business pages because normally they're really approachable. Um, but yeah, out of that, out of spammy articles, if you look at anyone's website and they just have a page full of links, you don't, you don't want to be on that page. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's brilliant. And actually, um, just because I have to always, uh, do a little bit of a promo for what's coming up on Indie Beauty TV. In a couple of weeks' time, it's in June, I think it's June the 20th or something, I'm bringing on uh, a media expert, and she is going to be talking to us about how to get into your local uh, radio stations, papers, and newspapers. Amazing. Uh, TV stations and radio. So Yvonne's going to come and join us and talk about that. So that links really nicely with this. Actually. Um, and regardless of whether you're a, a national or international brand, still getting those local links is really, mm -hmm. really good. Exactly. And so all you want to do is to have that base and grow out. It's much easier for me to own Bristol and then go after London than it is for me to immediately say I'm a marketing agency in Bristol and now suddenly I want to own this city that's seven times the size of mine. Mm. So yeah, just starting where you are it just makes more sense. And it's what Google likes to see. Oh, brilliant. Well, Corinne, I hope that um, that uh, helps you out. And I'm sure, where are you, Corinne? You're in Bristol, aren't you? I'm sure yes. you own Bristol down there. Uh, <laughs> you should be fine with that. Um, Lucia um, from Casamencarali, um, how can I make sure the words chosen for SEO are the best for the search engine, the most relevant and the most searched? So we've kind of covered that off. Yeah. It's about knowing... It's about answering your customers. Yeah, that's definitely one where I'd say forget about Google. Think about what your customer wants to search for. Brilliant. Oh, no, that's excellent. And Lucia will know all about that because she did Rockstars with me last year and we talked endlessly about solving problems for your ideal customer and what do they need, to, what are they looking to you to help them with. So that's the, that's the answer to this. Pull those keywords out of your seo words out of those things that you've written about your ideal customer really and uh, yeah definitely brilliant brilliant i'm loving it nicola dickinson from fresh therapies um uh, is looking forward to this and i she's, <laughs> she's really looking forward to it because she's um she's supposed to be spending some money on talking to somebody about this next week and she may not have to now she's watched it <laughs> so i like that nicola i right? we've um I hope we've helped you out. Karen Smith, uh, hey, Toss, much needed topic uh, because she's been ignoring SEO, so she was looking forward to this one. <laughs> um, oh, last question that came in um, was one about Melissa um, Kimball from Awake Organic. 
just manage, just mention what is Bing. So I'd like to so, know more about Bing. If any, I would. I don't even know how it works. Um, yeah, Bing is just an alternative to Google that's nowhere near as sophisticated or intelligent. So as long as you're doing it right for Google, Bing will rank you fine. I would say with both Google and Bing, you can send your website to them along with a sitemap. Um, there are instructions on how to do that on my blog. I won't talk it through because it's, it's a bit fiddly and click-through-y. So, um, yeah, you can send them both your website, but I, I would pretend that Bing doesn't exist because I, I certainly do. I've never thought about it. I, 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 my, my, my computer defaults to it uh, on my laptop. Yes. I, I'm sorry, anybody from Bing who hears this, but it's absolutely useless. It never gets me to what I want to get to. It's very bizarre. Oh, my goodness. Amy, that has been the most uh, eye-opening, light bulb, kind of pinging off session I think I've ever had uh, on interviews. <laughs> so that is awesome. So what's really important is you have mentioned it a number of times as we've been going through this. You have an incredible blog on your website and you also have an incredible email list where you are blogging regularly with all sorts of tips on marketing, SEO, websites, all that kind of thing. And, yep. so please, and, and you're on Instagram. So please just give us a rundown of where we can find you. Yep. So it's uh, cdocotton.co.uk is our website. Uh, on Instagram, which is our most active social media channel by far, is at studio.cotton. Uh, make sure you get the dot, otherwise it's a weird uh, photo photographic agency. Um, we're on Twitter, but I will never use it, so I won't mention that one. And uh, we're also on Facebook at just Studio Cotton. I think it might be Studio Cotton UK. Um, and if anyone is watching this who is Bristolian, we also have a Facebook group called Smart, Creative and Kind Bristolians in Business, which is just sharing local business advice on things like grants, where to work that has the best coffee and Wi-Fi, um, and just like a nice little supportive local community. Um, well, that's what you, Corinne, seeing as you're in Bristol as well. That's awesome. You can join yeah. that. Yes. Um, and I would say, uh, yeah, if you want to join our mailing list, uh, check out the link in our Instagram bio or just go to our website. And I think there's a sign up at the bottom of the homepage. Awesome. So what I'm going to do, guys, is when this goes live on Facebook, I will also put links to all of Amy's cases that she's just mentioned so that uh, you can just go directly to the comments below and, and, and click through and, and follow Amy because I think it will be absolutely well worth doing because that was really interesting I can't thank you enough for your time um, so it's been quite yeah quite exceptional and uh, really really interesting so thank you very much um amy this is oh this was this week's episode of Indie Beauty TV next week we're back on a live Indie Beauty TV and I've got, uh, who have I got? Um, we're going to be having a chat with a lady called Jen Stambrook, who is um, um, an interiors blogger, one of the top interiors in the UK. The reason she's going to talk to you is she is also an incredible Pinterest whiz kid um, and has grown her business off the back of Pinterest. And I know a lot of you are keen to investigate whether Pinterest is a way to market your brands. Um, and so Jen will be giving us loads of tips next week on um, how you can do that and how you can utilize Pinterest to, to, to grow your business. So join in next week. Watch out for the adverts for it. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Amy. Um, thank you very much. And we'll see you all soon. Bye for now. The Indie Beauty Delivers community is a place for beautypreneurs across the globe to network, learn and share. You're invited to join in on Facebook, Instagram, and sign up to Rachel's special email group to receive weekly blogs packed full of expert tips. Visit IndieBeautyDelivers.com to sign up.